This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Consignment Heroes, heard Sunday afternoons at 1 on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Consignment Heroes, heard Sunday afternoons at 1 on Zoomer Radio. How to sell your stuff. How to get rid of stuff. Paul Kenny and his son Bogart from Storage Wars Canada are about to unlock the secrets to stuff on Zoomer Radio. What sort of value do they put on your stuff? That depends on how well you sell it as we begin taking your calls on Consignment Heroes, the one-hour phone-in show all about stuff. Good afternoon. We are live and our phone lines are open. If you have a question about a rare or interesting item that you own, maybe it's an old collection of playing cards or vintage toys, gold or silver, art, books, plates, who knows? Silver plate set teacup set. Who knows? Whatever it is, if you think it might have some special value and you want two experts to give you their opinion, we have two of them in studio, live here, ready to handle your phone calls. Paul Kenny and Bogar Kenny have found fame and fortune dealing in other people's stuff. You know them from Storage Wars Canada and A&E's Northern Treasures and, of course, Consignment Heroes live here every Sunday at 1. If you have a question, our phone lines are open. What is the number? It is 416-360-0740. I almost gave my home number there. 416-360-0740. That's 416-360-0740. If you're out of town, it's 1-866-740-4740. We only do this every Sunday. I'm only half awake here, yeah. How are you? Good, and if people called you up and asked what it's worth, you'd I'd have to put them on speakerphone. That's right, yeah. I'd have to literally turn my phone on speaker. But yeah, how are you? What kind of week was it? I had an unbelievable week. I oh. have a I have a grandson. Congratulations. And I'm just I know I don't you normally have family stuff here but I'm grinning mm. ear to ear. And it doesn't get old. We have really? a, I have a granddaughter before now I have a first grandson. Um it doesn't get old. It's like what just happened this week? Just happened this week. Yes. Ooh, all I right. was down at St. Joseph and they took care of it and everything worked fine and it's happy and it's I can't, you know something? I know there's other, our listeners out there, and they're just saying, yeah, grandkids are, if they turn out half as good as my kids did, I'll be happy. But um, grandkids make you smile. They oh, interesting. They okay. just make you smile. Yeah, I've heard some grandparents say it's like it's like having a kid. You get all the joy, but zero responsibility. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can take on the responsibility if you want, but it's, it's optional. It's no longer you have to feed and clothe and get this kid yeah. to school and all that. Yeah, you just get to enjoy a kid. Well, no, that's what happened today. On the way down here, I went and saw my grandson, and uh, and uh, I was there for twenty minutes, and he laid on me, and I and I was just smiling, just realizing, it brought me back memories from my kids as well. But and then I could leave. I say I have to go to work, and I just passed over to my daughter, and that's it. And so that's it. And it's like <laughs> this is actually pretty good. All right. Okay. So. Uh... That's good. You're going to be soft this week. You're you're all gushy. People can negotiate against you. Look at this. This will be yeah. good. No, no. I'm I'm very very happy. I'm smiling over the moon to be a two time grandfather. Yes. All right. Like it. And that and but slightly be behind that. Enjoy this week. Is well, I had Bo, Bo, Bogart. Don't feel left out. And okay. So, I'm fine. Okay. I'm still your son. I think. So. Okay. 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 And um, no, but this week was a fantastic week, just in business wise. Um, that's not as good as having a grandson. But on uh, business-wise, 
I was um, I bought some comic books this week. Right, this big auction was happening. With... No, it was a little auction, but this is well, wasn't actually... it like huge, big titles of comic books? Were oh there? no, it's big auction. The stuff in the auction was really good. Yeah, but they gave it nothing against the auctioneer. The auctioneer puts on a good auction. It was out in the East End. Um, he does a good job doing it, um, but it was stuff that should have been done differently. And this is why why Bogart and I talk about when someone has stuff, we will tell you what stuff is worth, but we'll also tell you what is the best venue to get rid of it. When you want to get, like, some people want to know what it's worth, and that's kind of like, but they're saying. Right, you can say this piece is $1,000 if it goes to the Christie's auction here, and it'll cost this much to do it, or you can sell it here and balance the two, lower fees, mediocre price, these sorts of things. So you're saying good quality product, it just wasn't selling for much and not a lot of people bidding? What was the story? Not a lot. No, this is a case of where uh, if I did, if at the same auction, if I would gone into someone's house, and this all came out of a trunk, mm-hmm. there's about a thousand books, and uh, I'd gone into someone's house uh, as their advisor, and if they'd paid me, yep. I would have said this here is worth fifty to $100,000. Oh, okay. That's a pretty big net. No, maybe more. Uh, retail, maybe. And what do you think the lot went for at this auction? Oh, it, it's probably about twenty-five. Oh, okay. Well, wow. no, no, they did okay, but they—it's something that was a slam dunker. They actually, when I'm thinking out the numbers here, because I bought two books that are going to go probably twenty-five to thirty thousand U.S. Wow, just two. That makes, fun. That, that makes uh, sense financially because uh, you're a guy going to the auction and other people work. That's what you oh, do yeah. for a living. You should get the deal. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying the difference between someone. This person just picked the wrong venue for moving out. And this is very important. I think listeners out there, they have valuables at home. And they want, they, and a lot of them actually know what they're worth. They do know. They know that this painting is worth $60,000 or this piece of furniture is worth 5000 or whatever it is. But they also have to find out what is the best way. They, do, they know what it's worth. They don't know how to sell it. Fair and enough. that's how we help people. We're not one of these, um, we, we're not like a retired teacher or something. This is what we do for a living. Okay, we actually know what we're doing. If people who see <laughs> me on storage, <laughs> no, no, if, if they see Storage Wars Canada, I always say my first line is, "I'm much smarter in real life." Bogart's much smarter in real life than he is well, on the show. Well, it's a goofy TV show, right? You guys yeah. have to be entertaining, yeah. But we're yeah, much smarter. I'm actually, not that stupid. They actually maybe play a little bit stupider, but you know, fair enough. It is you, what it is. you know, you do stupid really good, eh? I know. The TV <laughs> adds ten pounds and lessens you twenty IQ points. Is that what you're saying? That's More what we're saying. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah. fair enough. Uh, anyway, what are some of the big comics that you got? Oh, I bought uh, Lois Lane number one. That'll probably Lois sell. Lane. Lois Lane, Superman's girlfriend. She has a comic book series. <laughs> yes, she does. Came out. It's, this is a very prime. These comics were from 1955 to 59, which is a bad time in collecting comics because this is after seduction, the seduction of an innocent, and McCarthyism and all that stuff. They were saying it's bad to have comics. People were throwing out and burning comics mm. in in the, these years. So wasn't that a good time to collect it then? That was, but most parents would say, we're told, like, Ladies Home Journal, there'd be an article and say, don't let your kids read comics. And then that's when they came out with the comic code, that little square box in the top. Just going, I'm done with bore everyone with Sorry, yeah, what is the square box? What is that? It's the comic code. So still, they they put a little code (laughs) on them. Before that, uh, comics could be of horror. People died in comics. There was blood and gore, and the idea was to make them... So censor, it's a rating a censor. system. It was okay. a comic censor. And so what, did the, what does the corner say? What does it indicate? It just says a, a comic code, proved a comic Oh, okay, code. so it's like wholesome or something yeah, like yeah. that. Okay, gotcha. And that's, you know, I know a lot of our listeners, I remember Mad Magazine. Mad Magazine used to be a comic. 
But because the comic code comes in, they changed it to a magazine format so they could still be satirical and weird and all that. Yeah. And so that was a case where they adapted. They said, well, okay, we're not going to be a comic anymore. We're so that's why Mad Magazine became a magazine rather than a comic. Yeah. Wow. It started off the first 23 to issues avoid were censorship. Comic, to avoid censorship. And I think we're much better off because of the humor in Mad Magazine. And I know I've, I grew up on Mad Magazine. I learned most of my history through Mad. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Okay. We got to get to work. The phone but lines I are talk, up here. These comics, I, I should, I don't, I know that the phone lines are going, but I want to say that this is where the person should have called us. They could have called us. There's other collections out there in people's basements. This was a hundred, this would be a hundred, hundred twenty-five thousand dollar collection, maybe even more by the time it's done. If they'd called us, this was in someone's locker or basement. If they'd called us, they would be much richer. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. But this is the problem with, you say, like, there's the valued price, and then there's the sell-it-now price. If I yeah. had a vintage Corvette right now, and I go, well, listen, sure, it's worth $50,000 in the right setting, but if I've got gambling debts and I need to pay the guy tomorrow before he breaks his leg, maybe I'm lucky to get ten grand from a guy today. Yeah. So there's the today, right now, I need the cash price, and then the actual valuation. Well, that's what we say. People are thinking about shrink of... Uh, what I'm trying to say is I've got gambling debts. That's oh, what I'm trying to say. I know <laughs> If you we got don't. to the bottom of this. You yeah. don't gamble. I know you don't gamble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you have a question or a rare, interesting item lying around your house and you like a real-time market value of it, our phone number is 416-360-0740. That's 416-360-0740. Our first caller is going to be Gabe in Brantford. Gabe, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm very good, thanks. And what do you have? I have uh, a toy. That's about 45 years old, and it's called a step dozer. And it's, it's almost like a, a mechano set, but the, the parts are much thinner in construction. Who made it? I think it comes from Sweden, but I'm not sure of that because I don't have the box. And I have the instructions, but there's no uh, identification of where it comes from. Okay. But this is what it does. It says a step dozer. We'll walk forward, backward, turn left or right, mark time, turn around while marking time, or walk diagonally. Mm -hmm. It has three uh, little clips on the back of it that you set at okay. various uh, places, and it's run by two D-cell batteries. It has an electric motor, gears. Um, okay, here's our problem. I'm going to say, okay, the description, even what you say coming from Sweden... You see, I think so. Okay. And this is about this is like a truism in, in collecting. The Americans and Canadian North Americans will buy our childhoods back at vastly inflated prices. But it has to be stuff that's made usually was distributed over here. Okay. So your your this toy might have come over from Sweden and there's not a lot of people collecting. It's not a stepdozer club. There's mm -hmm. nothing like that. Right. And this is why uh, when I talk about what's in people's basements, pop culture, I want something that says, Bev everyone remembers the Beverly Hillbillies. I mean, remember that story about the Beverly Hillbillies that said the water pressure in the United States went down during the commercials because everyone couldn't turn off their TV sets <laughs> and only went to the can the during yeah, the yeah. washroom All break. At once, yeah. yeah. So, but that's how popular the show was. And so people collect that and they remember that and they'll pay for that. They'll, they want to pass it on to their kids. But the step dozer, if something that's made in Sweden and wasn't readily distributed over here, there's not people who are collecting good, better, best step dozers. You know I see what you're saying. saying. It's like somebody would want the original Pac-Man game, yes. but they wouldn't want um, 
the German version, like uh, Pack Vogue. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it might be similar, but it's not what the kids knew, and it's not what they coveted of their neighbors or whatever. Yeah. You know, you know, it has nothing to do with them. No, that's exactly it. Pack Vogue will not sell here. Pac Man will. Yeah. Yeah. No, but this is a, just a. And when I go into people's houses, I say, "Yeah, this was expensive," and I says, "Yeah, but there's not the people." This goes back to I say, "Here's what it's worth." But here's what I can sell it for. Right. So maybe it needs to be repatriated back to Sweden or wherever it came from. It might have some value there if yeah. it's got the right age or whatever. Yeah. If I talk, yeah, something like this, um, it's, it's it would be collectible over here. Bogart doesn't even know that. Would you know that? I don't know, man. The thing steps forward, steps backwards. Like, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't no, seem too complex. No, it's probably a good toy. But yeah, he's saying it's Meccano style, right? So it's like you build this thing. Well, I guess, has... well, 40, 50 years ago, it's a little bit, you know, oh, it moved. Yeah. You've got to have something that wants somebody wants for their man cave or they collect it. You know, I that kind of thing. Like, that's how coin collections... Our, our next caller has something that's collected oh. around the world. Anna in Milton, what do you have, and how are you? Hello. Hi, Anna. What do you got? Yeah, I have um, a bracelet and a necklace, and they're both 18 karat gold. Mm. And it weighs... Uh, both of them weigh... Um, combined, they weigh 24 grams. Okay. Now, is there any stones in it? No. Uh, the necklace and bracelet is like a chain link... A pattern, and then the little round things that are linking the other part of the of the necklace has like a little uh, sort of lines going through, like a little pattern. Okay, now it's eighteen karat gold, right? Yes. He's got his okay, calculator out, Anna. You can just ballpark uh, it too. Divided by well, who's just doing all the numbers? So wait, let, let, can we reveal both what we think at the same time? Well, I, approximately nine hundred and thirty-one dollars. <laughs> I was going to say a thousand. Just off the top of my head, about a thousand. Yeah. So I didn't need a calculator to okay, do that. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Okay. No, on stuff like that, what's happening? Unless something is in jewelry and in gold, costume jewelry. I, I mention costume jewelry all the time because it's not worth. Melting. Yeah, but a lot of people don't know what costume jewelry is. They might think real jewelry is costume jewelry. It's hard to differentiate the two. To the untrained eye. Exactly, oh. but a lot of people have the untrained eye. Like you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have a trained eye. With costume, with gold, sometimes the value of the gold is worth more than the actual jewelry. Unless you've got it by a real name, like say it's Tiffany, uh, Van Cleef, uh, uh, a good maker, they're going to, um, uh, it, it'll, you'll end up melting it. 90% of what we take in, unless, because sometimes it'll be 40 years old and the styles have changed. Right. And what happens is we'll melt it. So the good thing is it's in gold, and you'll get the gold value out of it. With costume jewelry, um, people collect it because it's less expensive. Like a Sherman pair, a Sherman um, uh, red uh, cuff bracelet be worth like six, $700. And that's even worth more than if it was made out of gold. But people collect it. Are you it. looking at me for confirmation? I don't know any of the words you just said. Well, a the, Sherman uh, cuff? Okay. <laughs> okay, sorry. I know my... Okay. Necklace and bracelet were both bought in Italy a few years ago. That'll work against you because actually, in, in, if it says 18 karat, we actually tested it because we had a, a bracelet this week, right. 103 grams, uh, marked 18K, marked Italy, came in at 66. Yeah, 66. Carats. Yeah, so it's less than 18 66% gold. Came in around 16 carats. Now, when I melt, because we work on such small margins, I actually lost money on the bracelet and you I melted it. Sorry, how much is this worth then? Do you think approximately nine hundred and thirty-one dollars? Okay, because I was I was offered a bit a little bit more. Oh no! Then remember what I said about second opinion. Like you might be if you said it was twenty-four grams, and I I maintain this with second opinion. And 
take the He's higher just price. You the precious metal melt yeah. value. This would be the yeah. bare minimum inescapable price. So if somebody asks it. you nine twenty or offers you nine twenty nine, that's below melt yeah. market yeah, value. But it, it might have some sort of gem or sapphire or something like that that's raising up the value. Or it might just right? be well, ornate. Like I, said, and beautiful. I, I was offered a, a little bit more, a little bit more than nine hundred for it. It could have been when gold was valued at a higher price. When was I it? just got it appraised about two weeks ago. Okay. Well that's why it's got an appraisal value. It probably has a gem in it. Now what was it appraised at? And did they give a designer on it? Uh, I just took it to a jewelry store um, in Milton, and they he he was willing to give me fourteen hundred dollars for it, and oh. that was at that day's uh, gold prices. Okay, now somehow something's not computing here because okay, yeah, that's more than a third the actual value. Yeah, what yeah. I'm saying is maybe you're not describing it to me, but maybe it has a special name on it. it might be done by a certain designer. I really. Maybe no. he knows it. Say if it's, if it's a cart. Okay, Cartier's not Italian, but say it's a Cartier piece. A Cartier bracelet weighs approximately twenty grams, and they go for approximately fifty thousand dollars. Oh, okay. No, I don't think it's Cartier. No, I, no, but, but that's I'm saying so that. rare. Usually, people would pay eight hundred dollars for a gold bracelet that has two hundred dollars of gold in it. Yeah. So usually, these numbers work against you. So there's something being lost in this conversation. Get a second opinion, not my opinion. I'm on the phone here. I mean, on the radio, and right. I can't see it. Get a uh-huh. second opinion. Even if you bring it into our into Toronto, get a second opinion. Find out. Okay. Yeah, because these things aren't murky, especially with precious precious metals. You're in Canada. We don't have a penny anymore. You know why? Costs more to make a penny than they're worth. So we yeah. got rid of it. Yeah. So as soon as our money becomes worth less than steel, we'll get rid of you know quarters and everything else as well. So it just doesn't make sense. Usually, yeah. uh, designers overvalue over yeah. you know. So that's what I'm saying. You'll get two hundred dollars of gold in, a, in an eight hundred dollar bracelet. That's industry standard, not what you're talking about. So clearly, you need uh, somebody to get eyes on this thing. Yeah, yeah I would. I would get a second or third opinion on it because there's something you're missing and he didn't tell you. He might oh. be. He might be just. It might be the you, weight's off. That would be the weight. Mind, might yeah. be. No, off. that might also be the appraisal value, though, or what he was willing to give. That might have been the two different misconceptions yeah. as well. Yeah. I oh, don't know. I he see. Said he, right? he was willing to give me fourteen hundred dollars for it. Like cash okay. or like fourteen hundred? That's what it's worth. Uh, well, I, I asked him how much is this worth, or how much are you willing to give me, and he said he was willing to give me fourteen hundred dollars because uh, <laughs> then he'd have you know, um, I guess they're taking into the cost. Uh, when they melt it down. Something's, mm, okay, yeah, this guy's not melting it. Uh, why would you melt $900 worth of gold? I don't know. For, I'm just saying, if it weighs 24 grams and it's so much a carrot, and I'm giving you a full pop yeah, He on can this. just hand you $500 yeah. too. I mean, that would that's how much sense that makes. It just yeah. doesn't make any but sense. But I was, I was told, this is an estate uh, jewelry. Now, I was, uh, I was told that when my sister did buy it that, um, she paid a lot, lot more than what what this jeweler is willing to okay. give me. No, but here's my advice to the listeners. Mm-hmm. My advice to the listeners is, in this case here, to get the second opinion, even though it's not ours, but something's missing here. And you asked the right question. What is it worth? When you said, you say, you asked two questions are good. What's it worth? And what will you give me? He didn't answer you what it's worth. It might have been a $25,000 bracelet. And that way, 1400 is not a lot. If it's a thousand dollar bracelet, fourteen hundred's a lot. Get a well, second I was, opinion. I was told by somebody oh, that she, when she bought this in Italy, she paid both the both the bracelet and the and the necklace. She paid about four thousand dollars. Okay, well, Ben, what were you but that say? doesn't make it worth any more money. So another thing no. to remember is um, 
there's an appraisal, and yeah. then there's actual, yeah. if you want to call it street value. So when right. an appraiser looks at it to, say, go to an auction or something like that, they go, okay, well, there's an ounce of gold in this necklace. But look at it. It's been manufactured, and it's ornate, and somebody hand-forged a little, it has a, a, a gold sun image on it. And somebody spent the time to etch that into one of the pieces of gold. And since that jeweler makes $200 an hour, that adds another $400 of value. You spent two hours on it, and all the little ringlets were made this way, and that yeah. adds another $600 of value. But all of that stuff is just appraisal value. That's what you tell your insurer in case your house burns down and you get burglarized. The actual value of the contents rarely would they sell that. Unless you found somebody else willing to give you retail dollar to yeah. make up for all of that, you're going to get melt value for your jewelry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Does that make any sense? Well, I mean, you so know... So there's appraisal... Just... Sometimes you'll see a watch appraised at $5,000. Actual retail value they'll oh. get from a, from a guy who's going to melt it or use it or whatever will be one, one-tenth of that because that's you know, all he, that the he, contents he, are worth. He just looked at it for a few minutes and then he waited and then he came back and he... T- so he didn't actually, you know, he just looked at it for a few minutes. Get another weight on this. This doesn't sound right. Or get, get that guy's money. I mean, if you're saying yeah. it's, yeah. Get a second opinion. And okay. my, our advice always is take the higher amount when you get the second opinion, okay? Yeah, this is tricky yeah. stuff, right? Because yeah. a lot of people, they'll say, well, listen, I have this beautiful ring that my Nana had, and it was appraised at $20,000, but the most anyone will give me is $1,200 for it. And this is why, because yeah. it's about the contents of it, we not saw- what it would have retailed for. This week, we sold a George Jensen ring, which had maybe $15 in silver in it. We sold mm. for $300. Yeah, that happens. U.S. Yeah. yeah because happens. of the name. Someone wants George Jensen, and they'll pick it up. We sold it for them. They thought they were worth $100. We said, no, we think we can get you 300 Right. She's happy. I'm happy. On the flip side, away from precious metals, if it was fine art, if you yeah. were to go, well, wait a second, this Picasso sold for $50 million. I don't get it. The frame, 50 bucks. The canvas, 25 The paints couldn't have cost more than 12 bucks. I value it at twenty four dollars. Well, that's not. It's the that's the opposite. There, it's the energy that matters, not the materials. Okay. Our next caller is going to be Shirley in Hanover. Was that not an apt analogy? That was fine. <laughs> I hope I'm not being. I'm just filmed saying with right jewelry, it boils down right to the now? content, and in art, it does not. Uh, Shirley, how are you? I'm very well. Shirley, I feel like we wasted five minutes, and nobody understands anything any better. Okay. Well, I don't have jewelry in that. All I have is an Eaton's catalog, 1975, and I'm not sure it was the last one. Second last. One. Second last one. Yeah, and they're nice to go through at Christmas time, show it, and take a little bit of nostalgia, but no real value. Sorry, okay. two, three dollars. Um, because a lot of people had them. If you have a 19, 1910s Eaton's catalog or Simpsons or something like that, yes. Do you just have like a Rolodex of like permanent dates of things that come up? Because first of all, I didn't even know what she was talking about. And second of all, you're like, yeah, second, last date, that's it. So I love learning these things, things, right? Where, it's like, but where do they come from? Like, how do you know that? I have an unbelievable memory for unimportant stuff. Yeah, because we come across <laughs> these all the time. We say when it comes to, uh, like, pocket change, 1967 yeah. was the year Canada and the States sort of obliterated actual silver content out of your silver coinage. That's a good one to keep in your mind. You say in general, people go, I have a stamp collection. You can say, okay, listen, not it's not yeah. it's not always, but generally before World War One, are your most valuable stamps, you know, if you have them lying around. And then when we came up to comic books and you said generally before, what was it, 55 or something like that? Oh, no, that was 55, 59, no... Um, no, no, no. Last week you had said generally uh, before, oh, before like, the explosion. Yeah. Before 1980. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah. yeah. These are good things to keep in mind. Yeah, no, sure. <laughs> I've been doing this for General 40 rules. years. I'm trying to teach Bogart. He's just a really slow learner. Ian's catalog. <laughs> Ian's catalog. Got it. Uh, Bill in Buckhorn is our next caller. Bill, you're live on Zuma Radio. How are you? Just, <clears throat> just fine, sir. Um, I have uh, three things here. One's a bunch of cards with old cars on them and that. Okay. Uh, 
it, the card, it's out of card stock. It's really... Thick. Turn it over. What's it say on the other side? Say FLIR tops. Hello? Yeah, turn it over. I want to see yeah, what the back's... And, okay. And all it says on the back is just a description of the vehicle, and it says Wheels of the World. Wheels of the World put out by Tops about 1958-59, and they have a high number set. If you've got... They're about, I think there's about 200 in the set. Uh, they're about 2 to $3 for the low numbers, and the high numbers go, because they're a lot rarer, for about 10 to $15 each. Okay. You've got another um, set, Rails and Sales, came out the same time. The high numbers go for about $75 each. Oh, okay. Taking us to school. <laughs> that was brilliant. Flip it over. What does it say? Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> da, 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 da. That's um, why it, I love this what show. What other set do you have? I've got about 30, I guess. Okay. Total. If they're in good uh, shape, they have to have sharp corners, no creases. And some people, you can get extra money if it's a 1958 Corvette or something, because people like that. Um, but, no, if you've got, uh, what other sets do you have besides the cars? What else you got? Uh, I got a, a generator from a, a Rolls-Royce Griffin engine. Uh, Plane uh, engine? Eh? Plane engine? Jet engine? Yeah, it, it's out of a, no, a Lancaster bomber. It's What's the <laughs> number four engine. Uh, that would be the outboard engine on the right-hand side. Um, okay. I normally don't get stumped till half, near the end of the show, but I'm stumped now. Yeah. Where the heck did you get this? Bomber generator. That's a new one for us. Um, I've had it, oh gosh, it was given to me for 40 years ago, maybe. Oh, you only have the generator. You don't have the whole engine. No, no. Oh, just okay. the generator. Oh, okay. I thought it was had the whole engine. Yeah, <laughs> the bad news is not a lot of guys are looking for that part right now. <laughs> No, I wouldn't think so. The only people I would be thinking about looking for it would be at the aircraft museum in uh, Hamilton. And they want you to donate it. They don't. They would, never well, they have any money. The, okay, fair enough. But it's not like many people crowd to museums to see a generator. No, you know no, I mean? it's kind of boring. Off an airplane, yeah. What not, else even a propeller has interest, right? Yeah. I have no idea on this, and I don't know where. And not often I'll say, "Where do you get rid of this?" I don't know. Um. The other thing I have is an engine analyzer from the 60s, uh, you know, where they used to set the points and set the carburetor. For and automotive? Else. It's automotive, yes. What, yeah. Who's the maker of it? Oh, gosh, I don't know for sure. Uh, but it's just the engine analyzer, and it hooked onto the battery, and the other one, another lead hooked onto number one cylinder, and it... Okay, here's what you got. Sometimes the interface is cool, though. Sometimes it'll say something neat on it. You know, it'll be era appropriate, right? Oh, yeah. You probably know more about this than I do. But I'm going to say you need to have the name. Sir, what you have to do is call me back next week with the name of the manufacturer. Because that is like, you know, I've got a car. Well, is it a Volkswagen or Rolls Royce? I got to know which name it is, eh? And some of them will be more collectible, more usable even today. Say you've got an engine analyzer for uh, Edsel's. Well, they yeah, that's some... what I'm saying. If it said something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then the value I... goes to the roof because some mechanic will go, I'll leave that in my shop. That's kind of cool. I have an old 50s Bel Air or something like that. It's kind of cool to have some of the appropriate uh, that was a calibrating. Great car. 
57 Bel Air. I didn't mean to distract with okay, the sorry. simple example. Okay, everyone, we all get the idea. Uh, Bill, thank you for your phone call. Thanks. If you have a rare, interesting item lying around your house, maybe it's been in your basement or in your family for generations, you want to know what it might be worth today, we have two experts in studio. Uh, Paul Kenny and his son Bogart. The, you know them from TV on Storage Wars Canada and A&E's Northern Treasures. They have found fame and fortune dealing in other people's stuff, more specifically, finding value in things that other people just plain overlook. If you have a rare interesting item you're curious about you can give us a call 416-360-0740 that's 416-360-0740 we'll be right back southworks antiques one of canada's best antique malls just got better by moving to a better location across the grand river in cambridge at 73 water street proudly stands the new southworks antiques 25,000 square feet of antiques and nostalgia with an intriguing history for sale by over 100 vendors visit southworksantiques.com for directions then park free and check it out it's a new beginning for a lot of old stuff at southworks antiques in cambridge open every day of the year your collection of old coins is worth exactly what someone is willing to pay for it the highest paid prices for old silver coins and gold jewelry are at toronto gold silver and coins so the only number you should have in your head is this one 905-737-GOLD Toronto Gold, Silver and Coins buys and sells. So what does a bar of bullion go for these days? Wrong question. What's it going for right now? For up-to-the-minute prices, call 905-737-GOLD. Welcome back to Consignment Heroes on Zoomer Radio. Uh, we are live on this uh, cloudy Sunday. It's cold today. It's not freezing. cold, it's freezing it's today. It's Canada, get used to it. I can't, I can't get used to it. <laughs> Still minus 20. Um, our phone number, 416-360-0740. We're live in the Zoomer Plex. This is Zoomer Radio. By the way, if you're downtown Toronto, click over to 96.7 FM. You'll get us in much, much better quality. Uh, Eric in Buffalo. Eric, Hello. how are you? I'm good. What do you have? I've got uh, nearly 54 years worth of uh, Sports Illustrated. Oh, saved. okay. Now, do you starting going in fifty four or fifty four years of it? To, going back to nineteen sixty three. Ah, okay. The first two number one issue used to sell for about a thousand dollars, and it had cards inside. And the number two issue, the same thing. Starting That's in sixty, you're talking nineteen fifty four though. Yeah, no, no. Yours in sixty three. But I have a funny story on that. One time, I actually bought the first ten years of Sports Illustrated, mm -hmm. just brought into my shop. Everyone knows the Roehampton uh, uh, Hotel here in Toronto. The designer, no. okay, the designer comes in. He says, I'm doing a sports bar. This is when they were first, this, I had a shop in Hamilton called Dreamland Comics. Okay. So the guy comes in and says, I got a sports card. I was doing a, inside of a bar. I want all sports stuff and price is no object. Luckily for me, I hadn't priced this run of 10 years of Sports Illustrated. And what, <laughs> so it ended up as wall art? Yes, and he took off all the covers and wouldn't give me back the magazines. Oh, interesting. No, but people do that kind of stuff, and so that was 10 years destroyed. Yours, sir, though, uh, depend. The baseball covers like Mantle, Maris, uh, um, I think 63, uh, Williams is already gone. Um, it's mainly who the stars are on the covers, and they can go between 2 to $10 to $15 each, but it's more of a case you're putting it on eBay and... And the never-never plan to sell it as one group, you might get a dollar a piece. 
if and it's going to be hard to ship because it weighs a lot. If you put them on individually, they'll go for more money because people want to get them signed and stuff. Say Pete Rose or something like that. But and also the difference what will bring down the price if they were all subscription copies where they have the name tag on it that wrecks them. People want these for the covers, like this guy in the bar. Right. He wanted to just put them yeah. on the wall. So it can't say John Davis, one, two, three, Charming Street on it. That's yeah. not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, but people buy them because it's bringing back a bit of history. Um, like your covers, like the horse racing covers, don't do well. Um, uh, Miracle and 80th, um, 1980 hockey team does well. Uh, your Here big, it does well. Yeah. Eric, what do you think are the most treasured covers that you have? Like which ones do you go, oh, I like that one. That one's good. That's a keeper. Yeah, I know that some of the where the athlete, the first cover an athlete is. Yeah. Just no, I'm saying what are your thing. favorites? Like, which ones do you think would be valued the most? Yeah, right. Well, I, <laughs> right. Well, I know, I know that uh, you know Bobby Orr and all those. Are, yeah, yeah. They're worth quite a bit. Yeah, Wayne but it's... Gretzky, all those. Okay, so Paul's saying your best luck would be somebody wants them as art. Yeah. In a sports bar near you. Or you can put them on, uh, I wouldn't go, could you, I'd go on eBay. If you have an eBay lister in your area, use him. And that's how to get the long dollar. To get the immediate dollar, because I'm um, not planning on living past next Tuesday, you want to sell them on, uh, as one lot, you'll get about a dollar a piece. Kind of a dark so wait, so there. give me this story. So Sorry. what did you end up selling these for at the sports bar? What you're just you're holding, he's giving me a hand, hand signal. I probably get I probably get a lot for my fifty consecutive years of swimsuit edition, right? Yeah, no, no. Actually, they do buy those. Yeah, sorry, I shouldn't give. Yep, I gave four. Yeah, I shouldn't do sign language on a radio show, should well, I? That's a secret. Yeah, four thousand. Oh well, no. great. That's yeah. good. What's the negative there? No, it's good. It's good. But that was then. This stuff is coming down now. Right. And your I'm swimsuit. actually glad this question came up because I hope my father-in-law is listening because we just moved from, like, another loft to another storage area in his house. He's like, I have all this collection of Sports Illustrated. He's like, I'm saving them. I was like, don't. Just put them in the garbage. He's like, no, 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 no. They're worth something. So I hope he's listening to this right now. So Uh-oh. the answer is near zero. Okay, well, hold on. So you just said, what are the first two copies? So who was on the first two copies then? Oh, I can't remember. I just know the card's inside. So you what, had to have what, the cards what cards? What cards were in there? They had a Mantle card in them and a Williams card. There was a sheet of cards that are put in there that people who are card collectors have to have. If you're a Mantle collector, it's one of the harder Mantles to get, except for the 52. So it doesn't even matter if the cover of that, it's just because it has a card inside. It just has a sheet of cards in the inside that folded out. Mm. This is when there was a big, and there was a big hubbub about it, licensing and stuff like that. But this gentleman only has back to 63, which is just when anything before 64 is where... There's a mass produce. In 64, the baby boomers are clicking in and all that stuff, and everything exploded. Comics exploded, sports cards, The magazine industry, you're saying. Magazine industry across the board. Okay, interesting. So prior to then, then. Yeah. Another benchmark. See, we're learning all the time. Our next caller is uh, Marie in Toronto. Marie, how are you? Hello? Hi. Welcome to Consignment Heroes. You're live. Uh, Yes, I have a a Parker pen that you put the ink in by uh, pumping it. Yep. Uh, now, is it a gold tip? It's, and, it's uh, well, the, the top is, now, when I brought it to a pen store on, on Dundas, they said that the top of that was gold. Well, that's good. Now you're going to melt it. Um, <laughs> no, no. It has, <laughs> uh, on that top, it has, an, like, an arrow? Yeah. Now, you have, um, uh, water, water, uh, Waterman did uh, gold pens, and uh, Parker did them. Now, they also gold filled. It'll say one-tenth of uh, 14 carat, so they're worth a lot less. They're worth about $15. If yeah. it's gold, 
No one's going to – the pen collectors have these Parkers. They made a lot of them. They're mainly presentation pieces to a president or someone's birthday or something like that. They cost right. four or $500. You won't get it. Um, and getting the ink is a problem. And also, if you have to – I imagine this pen is probably in the 1950s. The, because well, you not around the 1930s, this particular one. Okay, and it had the little pump action. So then the bladder will cost you 50 to $75 to fix. Okay, so after you put $75 into it, you'll have a $120 pen, and there's probably $200 worth of gold. So which, oh, okay. way, which would you rather have? Yeah. Well, I'd, go, I'd go for the 200 bucks. Do you use this pen? <laughs> 200 bucks, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I also have a picture of the Canada VS, you know, the world a hockey picture. 1972? Uh-huh. Signed by anybody? It's not signed by anybody, and it's uh, it has all the players listed: Brennan Shanahan, Trevor Linden. No, no, that's not seventy-two. Oh, what is that? Oh, that'll be eighty-six. How much I know. About. Yeah, sorry, seventy-two is uh, Paul Henderson. Uh, okay, no, no, this. Yvonne Cornway, Phil Esposito. This is the the hockey series in Canada. Nineteen seventy-two, and people are still collecting it all to this day. People uh-huh. love seventy-two. The world, the hockey world in Can- in Toronto ended in sixty two, in sixty seven or seventy two, depending how you look at it. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. So take me back to a Parker pen. I'd never even heard of a pump action pen. Yeah. Yeah. You just sort of breezed okay. right through that. Yeah. In nineteen sixty, I was in nineteen sixty. If you went to school in Ontario, you had your wood desk, and in the corner was a hole that had your inkwell in it. Yeah, it was beveled, yeah. Yeah, beveled, and you had a, a, the hole there wasn't for dropping things on the floor. That would, had an inkwell in it, and back then you used to dip your pens, okay, and you would take out, you would have the pump action, and it would pull in, the ink into the pen, and then you would write. Wow. And that's why even we don't see them today, people out there will know, remember blotters, because you would write, and the ink would still be wet, you'd blot it down to get rid of the excess ink. You've what? never seen you're a blotter. Yeah. I have no idea what you're I thought you meant about. for fingerprinting a guy yeah. who just committed a crime. Oh, no, no, no. I know our listeners know this. I know that, and it was messy. You come home and you have the ink on your, we've all seen the movies where the kid, you've got the girl in yeah, front the of pigtail. you. Yeah, well, I saw, the pigtail. I saw, I think, one movie one time. But you're saying so. So. Uh, <laughs> oh, I did that. No. <laughs> okay, well, fair. No, no, no. I'm sure it happened. So, so you're saying the Bogart and I are out of the loop. Everyone knows what you're talking about. Parker. Yeah. Pen. Okay. Yeah, the Parker pens. And because writing used to be an art. People used to write letters. Bogart, have you ever written a letter? Uh, once. I've literally mailed three items in my entire life. Wait, That's how re- strange that whole Wait, world is Wait, when you told to me about a roll-top desk, I was like, what? Not a roll desk. No, I know, but desk. when you were talking about a roll-top desk, I'm like, what? what is that? What do you mean? What's a desk? A desk in your, no, your desk in your, in your, in I know, but what's the roll top, the thing that has a flap that comes out oh, in front of it? Oh, a roll top is when, that used to be your, the man of the house would have a roll top desk where he kept all his valuable papers so no one else saw it. Okay, so what, it opens and closes? Yeah, there's a roll top. People out there will know what they are. They go up to about 10, a, a genuine roll top from 1900 will go for about a thousand, thousand to $1,500, oh up to 5000 Okay. All right, okay. good. I got it. Good. Thanks for the lesson. I didn't realize even as, as late as 1960 this was a situation. Okay. Oh, no. We were into ball pens. I think ballpoint pens were only invented about 1960 in the schools. We had pencils and stuff. Yeah. You know how old I am, right? 30 like, years before Bogart's born. Yeah. <laughs> That's All right, so, so we, you're listening to Simon Heroes. We're live on Zuma Radio. Uh, Wayne and Elizabeth, hang in there. We'll be right back. Hi, Paul Kenny here, Consignment Hero. Boxes are truly amazing things. They come in all shapes and sizes, and they do a remarkable job of storing your stuff. 
and the folks at Mississauga Cartons know how important it is to find the right box. For over 35 years, they've provided thousands of satisfied customers with a wide range of packaging, boxes, and shipping materials. I use them, so should you. Mississauga Cartons. Check them out at mississaugacartons.com and be a hero like me. Watching Sam at work, you're reminded of mom's home cooking. Make it from scratch, never from a box. Mom would always say that. Having cabinets built by new generation is a lot like that. Because when you love what you do as much as Sam does, and you're as good at it as Sam is, would you serve your family prefab? New generation kitchens and bathrooms of Guelph. Made with love. From scratch. Call 519-836-8300 and meet Sam at his family-run factory. Welcome back to Consignment Heroes on Zuma Radio. We're live. If you have a rare, interesting item, maybe an old heirloom, you're curious about its value, your family might have been toting it around for generations, some neat little statuette or figurine, well, we have a guy in studio who is pretty good at nailing down the values of these and understanding what the, what the product is and what the value is right now. Our number, 416-360-0740. I was telling you that, um, you know, some things don't seem that, that long ago. I remember my dad saying once when he was a kid, he remembers horse-drawn carriage. I think it was delivering milk or something like that yeah. on Broadview in Toronto. I said, this can't be right. My dad's not that old. What are you talking about? In 1961, 62, in London, Ontario, Ayers Dairies, I remember the guy delivering milk and, and bread. You got delivered to your house. Horse-drawn Horse carriage. Horse-drawn carriage. As a novelty, or this is what they no, used? No, this is what he did. Every day they'd go out, and used to, a lot of people in Toronto, and I bet you even in the country, have these little boxes. And if you go to the side door, there's a little box there. It's about um, eight, 12, 14 inches by 14 inches by about 9 inches deep. And you'd leave tokens in, milk tokens or bread tokens in there, and they would leave you the bread and milk in the box because the, they'd come around at 6 in the morning and you're not up. And then that's how you did it. You wouldn't leave cash there because people, I guess, go around stealing the cash. So literally a token system. Yeah. and, and well, That stuff's got to be worth something then. They go between 5 and $50. In Toronto, they're not big, but the smaller the dairy is, the more the tokens are worth. Okay, yeah. I got a question. Do I have an option for skim milk or whole wheat bread? Back then, I don't think we had skim milk back then. I so, really don't. So, yeah, so celebrating no. pasteurization would be enough, I would think, yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm, It'd probably I'm, be the equivalent of, like, homo milk now, homogenized. Our, our, all of our um, listeners know that the glass bottles, and then they phase them out. But if you've got the old milk bottles that say a certain dairy on that's embossed, some of those are worth money, not $5, $10, $15. Yeah. Even people collect the milk caps. Yeah. People so, so my dad wasn't wrong, that it was later than you thought that they'd be delivering milk by horse-drawn carriage yeah, even here Your in dad's Toronto. smarter than you think he is. Oh, no, he's a bright guy. My <laughs> grandmother once told me, she remembers when she'd come, she lived in the city of Toronto, yeah. but she says far and away, City Hall was the tallest structure in the city. Or like, you know, when you'd see down that area. No, it was uh, she also, York Hotel. She also once got, or sorry, but like that area, yeah. like it would tower above, like yeah. it wasn't surrounded by what is like new City Hall and all that sort of stuff. Like it would be the, the tallest like oh, yeah. structure right there. And... Um, she also got a ticket for, like, wearing pants on a Sunday, you know, like the joke about women's rights back then. But she literally got a ticket for inappropriate clothing in public. And it wasn't anything provocative. Yeah. Wait, so really? hold yeah. on. We're not supposed to wear pants on a Sunday? <laughs> no, for women, there, I think there are certain rules in certain areas. But it wasn't just social rules. Like, she actually literally got a ticket at one point well, you yeah, couldn't when she was drink, a kid. You couldn't drink on Sunday. So she was born 1910, something like that? Oh, yeah. So maybe oh, as a teenager, yeah. yeah. Well, in certain parts along Bloor Street, on one side of the street you could get liquor and the other side you couldn't. It was dry. Amazing. And, Amazing. Yeah. No, that was weird. Liquor stores, you couldn't actually touch your bottles of booze. 
you had to give a little slip. Yeah, that's not that long ago either. Where you go to the LCBO, there'd be, I think, no advertising. You would do, yeah. write something down, and some guy would go to a back room, and away you go. Yeah. Yeah. But when did that end, generally? I don't know. Because I hear that story I was from too people who are boomers all the time. Was... There would be no advertising. You were just hammered through the whole thing? You don't know? <laughs> no, that's okay. good to hear. That's what we're here for. All father. right, sorry. We're hijacking no. the show. But there's so many interesting things that, in my mind, in Toronto, horse-drawn carriage would have been 200 years ago. But no, it's... It was in the last century, late, yeah. But people collect around. This is what I'm talking about, the culture. People are forgetting the culture. People do collect. There are historians out there. and Or people just like to have that, the milk tokens. I think that's kind of different. Yeah. It doesn't take Crazy. up a lot of room, yeah. you know. Yeah. Not like jet engines. No. <laughs> anyway, Elizabeth and Barry. Elizabeth, sorry we took so long getting to you. We had to figure out a few things there. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. And what do you have? Well, I have this gold... Uh, pendant like it's a little pendant that you wear on a gold chain around your neck and it's uh, gemini okay and it's engraved with this number one three one six three six cartier oh. paris 750 which means okay 18 carat oh know? that can be good. no 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 you, you before you got to 18 carat you said the most important word cartier yeah um uh, depending on the size of it, and I have to see it. Um, do you have the papers that went with when you bought it, or they're, they're long gone? No, I bought it at uh, uh, some kind of a show down at uh, the mall in uh, West Toronto. I just forget the name of it sure now. I've had it for years, but I've stopped wearing it because the inscription on the side that I've just read to you, it was getting low, you know? Okay. And anyway, on one side, it's got the Gemini sign in raised. That's not as good, uh, just because it's Cartier. And the other side is twins, and they yeah. look to me like Oriental people in formal dress, like long gown. Yeah. Okay. On this piece here, if it just said Gemini in 18 karat, we would be melting this in a New York second, okay? Because it says Cartier on it, it might have substantial other value and collectability to it. This is where I'm talking about, and a lot of people hear me say something is signed. And signed can be um, like Cartier, the name of the manufacturer, the name of the designer at the time. What we have to hope here is that this is part of a series that Cartier put out during a specific time period and that people still collect it because they collect Cartier. Okay, I have a set of Cartier dishes on my website. I think they're around $50,000. What? What? Yeah. I've sold I've sold four place settings. Where do you keep that in the meantime? In a very safe place. Yeah, <laughs> that's so stressful. No, no. Stressful is when you have to pack it and you have to send it 2,000 miles. Yeah. No. Oh, my goodness. But Cartier is one of the names that we want to have. And this is why I tell people, getting the second opinion, signatures are important. And this is why even if I – if I you bring it into me, I hope I'm one of your opinions, but you bring it into me and someone else – and uh, we, try, we try and be as transparent as we can be and tell you what it is and what it's worth and how to get rid of it or what to, how much it'll sell for. Okay? Thank you for the phone call. By the way, um, the show will end at the top of the hour. But, of course, you can call Paul Kenny and Bogart Kenny at their store. It's located at 10,341 Young Street. That's in Richmond Hill, just north of Major McKenzie on Young Street, 10,341 Young Street. You can call the store during regular work week hours. The number is 905-737-GOLD. That's 905-737-GOLD. Our next caller is Wayne in Scarborough. Wayne, how are you? Hi, good afternoon, gentlemen. Just a quick comment on your horses in Toronto. I'm 63, 
And up till the early 60s, I can remember the junk men, we called them sheenies, coming around yep. with horses. Wow. Okay, so my dad's not crazy. Machinies. No, no, no sheeny. Sheeny business was the clothing rag business. Well, and, yeah, whatever. And he sharpened I, your uh, knives. Remember, the, and they had knife sharpeners that go around with little grinders. I wasn't there. You can't oh, say sorry. remember to me. Don't look at me. <laughs> don't yeah. me I have to talk to all of our listeners out here. They because know. I don't, I'm the one out of the loop. I mean, we're, we're on Zoomer Radio. Many people know what you're talking about. I'm the, anyway, I'm the missing link. Yeah. To get to the point here, uh, yeah. Paul, I have a book. It's called Defense Training, an Elementary Manual for Defense Training in Secondary Schools. 1942, printed by J.M. Dent and Sons, Canada yeah. Limited. What do you and, mean, like, uh, combat? Like martial arts? It would be Dent would did all the st- uh, did a lot of the um, um, textbooks for the schools. Dent, and it yeah, might be. Yeah, and it covers things. I'll just give you. A, it's 378 pages. Uh, small arms training, model building, aircraft recognition, civilian protection, war gases, map reading. So okay, on. I want it. Okay, yeah, we have cool. a customer you have a buyer right here. here. Yeah. Yes. Um, and it's in pretty nice shape. If it was a coin, I guess I would call it extra fine because uh, the pages are all beautiful. Just the covers got, you know, at the top and the bottom a little bit of. Yeah, just to be during the war. This is put out during the war, right? But for the school. 42, and it's stamped Ottawa Collegiate. Okay. Wait, wait, yeah. wait. So they used to teach students how to, like, say, load a, like a rifle, something like that, in school? This well, I, don't I think know. what it was was the war was still, you know, 1942. It was looking Halfway. not so great for us. So they, it looks like it was grooming uh, high school students for the military. Interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. it covers all the branches, Army, Navy. I'm loving so, it. And Air Force. So I'm liking it. So, yeah. I think Ben here, give me a call at my shop. Now I have a, pres- I have a Christmas present for Ben now. I, I was okay. thinking about what to get him, and now I have a perfect idea. Right. Yes. I Thank like you. it. I like that sort of stuff, though. Like, imagine, I always like to see, like, what were they learning 100 years ago that were not today? And usually I'll look back and see the value of their education 100 years ago was more valuable. Yeah, I read the etiquette books from 100 years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those They're are not cool worth too. a lot, but they actually, it's a, it's a different time. It's just a completely different time than it is today. You know. Uh, Thank you. Our next caller is Anne, calling from the beaches in Toronto. Anne, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. And what do you have? I, I spoke to you once before about this um, picture I have, signed by Trish Romance. Okay. Dated 1986. Yeah, we know Trish Romance. Yeah. yeah. Is yeah, it? Uh... Um, it's five by seven, and uh, I took it out of the frame, and on the other side is another picture of a winter scene. How can I tell if this is worth anything? Okay, now, is it a painting, or is it um, a litho? Is oh, it a numbered print? Is it a numbered print? Pardon? Is it a numbered print? Is there, a, besides her name being signed to the bomb corner, usually in pencil, the other side will have 155 out of 750? No, no, no. Just beside her signature is a date, 1986. If you've got an original Trisha romance, which I'd have to see, uh-huh. we're in a different ball game complete. The, the prints go between $50 and $250. I know they sell a lot more in the store, but the resale market on them is they make a lot. If you've got an original, uh, it's worth calling me at the store, 647 298 8989. And if it's got something on the other side, it might have been something she didn't like. There's a lot of times that artists would use both sides of the board. Uh-huh. Prisoner Romance is not poor, but poor artists would do that. They'd use both sides, or they'd paint over someone else's painting. And many masters have found that they found it like a good painting underneath a piece of not so good. <laughs> the artist made the wrong choice. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say, and now's a good time. I mean, when you think of like we're coming up to Christmas, it's like Trisha, Trisha Romance 
era. Yeah. It's she does a lot of like people by called up warm by the fire and snowscapes and yeah, these the, sorts of the things. Beautiful pictures. The the one on one side is two children uh, with a sled on the ice, and the other one is. Um, a lady pushing the sleigh past um, a toy shop. I'm more impressed. I'm hoping it's not a print. If it's an original, it's worth contacting me, and we can get you real money for it. Uh-huh. I mean, it'll change your morning for sure. There yeah. is, uh, I have to tell you, there is um, printing underneath, which makes me wonder if it was from a, a book. How big is it? Five by seven. Oh, that's small. Okay, no, no, no. That won't be a painting. That'll probably be from One a book. One is called The Window Shoppers. Okay, no, this is just something cut out of a book then on both sides. Sorry. Is it? Yeah. If it's original, um, and this is why you get in the second opinion, you've got to check on some of this stuff. Originals are worth a lot of money. Uh-huh. The prints are not so good. Okay? So how do I um, find out about that? Take a look at it and look for dots. Take a magnifying glass, look for dots, and if it's a print, you'll see the dots. Oh. <laughs> You're turning her into an appraiser. She's no, no. I'm just helping. This is what I do. <laughs> I when I'm checking out, uh, we know there's little tricks to finding out if something's a real autograph, if there's a, if it's a real print, or if it's a painting, or something like that. We sometimes get fooled, but if we go some through some of the preliminary steps, and that's how we can save time. You know, yeah. If you say, say I got a Babe Ruth signature here and it was done with a ballpoint pen, probably not yeah. going to work. Yeah. Not, not okay. Work. But no, that's what we do. We are always trying to do that. We're Bogarten and I were trying to. We cut to the chase. Where this is what um, how do I put it? We try and we try and help people. Like we, we've been, I've been doing it for forty years. I've been doing it a long time. I know what's going on, and I know where to. Like sometimes I'll uh, how do I put this? When I go to someone's house, the first half hour is free, and then I tell them whether they should employ me or not. Okay? Oh, like is it worth their while? They even whether give you work? Sure. Yeah, yeah. because and then because I'll say you know this is you only got. $600 worth of stuff here. You don't want to pay me to help you. I'll give you some quick print, you know, pointers. Say, boom, 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 here, do this. Mm-hmm. Or, but if it's a $50,000 estate, I'll say, no, you need my help. You need our help. Sometimes it's a case of getting rid of everything. I says, no, nothing here is any good. You have to dispose of everything, and we can have your place swept clean, ready for sale in t- three days. Or... It's a case of, no, we need to put this in this kind of an auction. This goes in a store. This we can take on consignment. and But it all comes down to the more time you give us, we can actually use it good. Okay. I didn't say that in good English, did I? No. Make best use of the time, yeah. That's yeah, what I, I want to say. I, I don't speak properly, so, but, you know. Like I say, a lot of people don't, they throw out things. Like I tell people, we buy silver plate. Person pays You're our, like the last person in the city, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, but we'll <laughs> buy it for, we'll buy, I don't care what it looks like. And everyone's got silver plate and they give it out or they give it to the junk man or they throw it in the garbage. It doesn't recycle if you put it in the dump. Okay. I'll actually pay you money. As I keep on saying, if you've got a garbage man who runs around with a checkbook, use him. Okay. <laughs> but in my case here, we buy silver plate, we buy dishes, we buy gold and silver and costume, and we can tell you what's the best thing to do. I so want to thank everybody. If you're downsizing and you'd like someone like Paul to go through your antiques or collectibles or old furniture, maybe you have to get rid of a 3,000-square-foot house. You can have him come over and tell you everything you need to know about what you own and what it's worth. You can call him at the store. The number is 905-737-GOLD. That's 905-737-GOLD. Special thanks to Sebastian Hearn. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.